Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. It's hard to go on living when your future is denied. You're listening to Refugee Radio at 3CR, which is 855am or 3cr.org.au. And today we'll be playing um, an interview with Moshgan, who is a human rights advocate, a public speaker, a legally trained refugee law paralegal. And she's also a refugee herself and is currently stranded in Indonesia, a transit country where she and many others like her have no rights. So she moved to Indonesia in 2013 with her family. And over the next few years, she became increasingly involved in supporting refugee communities. And she's the co-founder of Refugees and Asylum Seekers Information Center, um, which is uh, an incredible, um, incredible collective of mostly refugees um, doing work and supporting each other. This interview is about their situation, about the work of RAIC and about the impact that Australia has on their lives um, and the, the story of how um, effectively people are stranded in Indonesia um, pretty much because of the Australian um, border regime policies. Um, so have a listen. So what is the organization that you're involved in and what does it do? It's basically an information center. It started off as an information center for refugees, uh, but now it's a bit more than that. It's called Refugees and Asylum Seekers Information Center, in short, RAIC. Well, like I said um, at the beginning, it started as an information center because um, I was interpreting in a community legal aid center for between... Uh, cost, uh, customers at that time which was refugees coming to their interviews and Australian lawyers then um, step by step I became the focal point of the community where people were contacting me to ask their questions because of same language and um, we were thinking to put all this information together in one platform where people can use it and translate it in different languages but uh, as we started doing doing it and getting closer with the community, we saw the big need and the big gap of uh, basic needs that wasn't available for refugees in Indonesia. So we started um, designing projects to sort of prevent those issues and fill the gaps. So we we are doing lots of healthcare, like eye clinics and uh, hygiene kits to like stop skin issues. And this year we're going to have dental care. We also have a mental health project, so mostly on health and basic needs. On the basic needs, we do mostly food packages and like hygiene kits that I already mentioned. And uh, for some very few number of refugees, we were um, successful to actually rent a place for them that they were living on the street. Mm -hmm. So with the help of donors, we could um, 
rent a place and keep them there and support them on a weekly basis. So they have a place that they receive food every week and then they were empowered so they could think about education and going to learning centers and all that. That's the whole thing we are trying to do with RAIC, basically to take care of the triangle of basic needs to balance your life out because we are refugees. I'm a refugee myself and I feel like like looking at it from the inside out is very important where people people's basic needs are not provided they can't really think about improving themselves or empowering themselves or getting out of their little rooms to do something for themselves yeah totally and you said that um you receiving help from donors so is most of the funds and most of capacity is from like volunteering and donations or do you get any sort of other financial support well all of it is based on donations really at the beginning of RAIC in 2017 everything just depended on ad hoc donations by donors from Indonesia some um, a lot from Australia because mainly our contacts were interested in these uh, projects were Australians and um, later on after we were like more established and more known then some companies came in and some organizations from Australia came in to give us baby grants to be able to run our projects. Yeah. And in terms of people on the ground and people who do the work, um, who's involved in volunteering, who's involved in the project? Volunteers are not, um, I mean, they're not permanently helping us as their name is volunteers. So they come and go. Um, most of the time from the media outreach that we get, from the exposure that we get on the media, volunteers contact us and come to help with their skills. Um, it's not a lot, to be honest, but it's very helpful even that small scale of volunteering that we get. Most of the time for projects, we use refugees. I mean, we do it ourselves. That's why I always say this organization is by refugees, for refugees. We have experts that are helping us who are expats, but mostly the work is done by refugees. Yeah. So what is the situation of refugees in Indonesia? Like what is the background that creates that difficult situation for people here? Well, Indonesia is not a signatory to the Convention of 1951. So that means um, no rights, no legality, no work rights, no education rights, no nothing. So basically, we do not exist in the legal framework of this country. We are not a priority for the government, as the number of refugees are fairly small comparing to the population of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a priority, really. It's not a concern for the government to think about refugees or to think about giving rights to refugees. It's never a topic. So that being said, brings all the issues. Like As you can imagine, a person living here for a long period of time, not knowing when or where they'll be sent to or if ever they will be sent to anywhere. And they can't provide anything for themselves. They yeah. don't have an identity card. They, they have nothing, basically. We can't do anything without our IDs. And this country is pretty obsessed with ID cards. Like Anything you want to do, you need to have identification. And UNACR card is pretty misunderstood here. People don't know what this card is. And it gets us in trouble if we use it that much. So we can't do anything. Something as simple as going to register at a gym center or getting on an airplane domestically even. Like, it's just very difficult. You can't do anything. Yeah. So the Indonesian government is not, obviously not supporting 
refugees, but what about international organizations like UN or um, maybe other NGOs and stuff like that? Is there any support from that? Well, UNACR, for example, is supportive of the work that we are doing, like all the refugee-led initiatives that are happening in Indonesia, the learning centers, they're very supportive of our work. But support coming from them to the refugees directly, not much, because they don't have the capacity. They don't. They just don't have it. They always say, we don't have the funds, we don't have the capacity. So re- really, there is nothing. And international orgs, uh, well, there are orgs from other countries that try and help out. But again, because of bureaucracy and you know, all these big level organizations have to deal with governments. It takes ages for something to happen, if ever. Hi, this is Rafiv Ziada, and you're listening to 3CR, pro-Palestinian, happily proud radio. زیر و تبار مذهبی مادر سختگیر و یه پدر عصبی عشق همجنسشون رسون به جنون دلخون از نگاه معنا داره اینو زد دلو به دریا گفت من انسانه میگذرم من واسه حقم از جانه مادر عشق نداره که هیچ حد و مرزی نکن ما زندگی دخترت بازی منم مثل شما بنده یه همون خدام همجنسگرم ولی نمیشه ادعام خوزخند ترخی روی لب مادر شرف دل دختره نخواست بشه باورش بدر با اشتیاق این حس خبیتر از قانون جازه و سسفین اونو 
میشه مبتلا به تو هم جنس بازی هست یه مقوله جدا یعنی تو فیر داره با هم جنس تو با جنس مخالف خوبی خوب باش ولی حق لزبیانم از سر جاش یه گذشته داره زور و تحدید کفتی رو برده که زن و سید تحدید So this was a song called Be Daddy by Sai Sky, who is um, an Iranian woman as well, who started rapping um, for Iranian LGBT rights. Um, and as a result of her work, she started facing a lot of um, persecution, just as the LGBT community in Iran does. So um, eventually um, she has needed to... Uh, escape Iran as well um, and it was a harrowing difficult journey but she's um, now settled in Canada um, living there as a refugee um, and we'll go back to the rest of the interview with Moshgan about RAIC enjoy so what um, what sort of impact does the Australian policy have on this situation like how do you feel Australia is complicit? <laughs> Australian policy has a very bad impact, but yeah. Australian people are having the good impact. Most of our volunteers are from the Australian community, mostly because I think they feel so sorry. People feel so sorry for the situation we are in as a result of the Australian government's policy. Because once they closed the border and they kept humans in those offshore detentions and creating this, I call it a zoo, like, to stop other people coming, which is just very inhuman and horrible. Uh, friends living there until today. And that thing is not, is not the reason people are not going. Like simply the border being closed is the reason people are not going, not keeping humans in that yeah. offshore detention center. So that policy to start off was the reason that people were stuck in Indonesia. And then Australian government trying to pay organizations inside Indonesia to take care of refugees, basically creating another sort of detention for refugees in yeah. Indonesia. It's it's totally the result of the Australian policies. It's the reason we are here. We are stuck. Yeah. Do people have other options of resettlement in other places? Um, or not really? As of for now, there's not really any options. When Australia started announcing that they are not getting any more refugees from Indonesia, especially those who are registered after July of 2014, then there's this huge hopelessness just covering the community and the number of resettlement have been really down. Like if you look at the the numbers, in 2016 to 17, there were 500 people resettled from Indonesia. But then last year, there's 85. Just mm -hmm. see how different it is. Yeah. And those 85 are like people who were staying here for years upon years and then they got into emergency situations that they could get resettled. So as far, far as options, not really. It's been about a month that there are talks about Canada and Canada getting more refugees. And again, they are still taking a very small number from emergency cases, mostly emergency medical cases that have been in the queue for a very long time. Yeah. With all of these difficulties, um, what, what, what are you looking forward to? Like, what is your hope for the future? How do you think things can get better? 
for myself or for refugees in Indonesia? <laughs> well, for refugees in Indonesia, I, my, my hope is that with lots of advocacy that all of us are trying to do with lots of awareness raising, something happens, like a change in policies that governments start raising their resettlement numbers at least to take people from here. Like that's my ultimate hope, that countries take refugees. Like there is not a really good assessing system in place to take refugees that's why people are just scattered here like if there was a good assessment system in place then more and more people could be resettled skilled people or whatever you know i'm so sick of it that it's called humanitarian like based on humanitarian grants but we know it's not really mm-hmm. humanitarian grants so i like my hope is something comes up like skilled resettlement or whatever it is you know that would like give more options to people to go and it would give a hope to people to empower themselves here or to learn another to learn a skill to you know strengthen their skills and everything to be able to meet the criteria to go but what's happening now is just people are just getting into depression and going down and down and down every single day so my hope is that for refugees and for myself of course uh to continue like stronger with RAIC and keep doing it and if I ever get resettled to a country then I would love to study international law and be able to just be a good advocate for people because at this state of the world we are right now there's just millions and millions of refugees I don't think it ever finishes yeah how can people in Australia support refugees in Indonesia and the work of RAIC well, just like they're doing now, basically, um, lots of Australians are trying to help us out. They're trying to come and volunteer their skills and their time. They try to raise awareness. They try to uh, set up lots of events inside Australia and actually let the other Australians hear our voices and hear our concerns, not only necessarily talking on our behalf, but like they are including us, including our voices into everything. That's really helpful, and I have seen... quite a lot of change and better result out of it by like us being able to connect to people there via Skype or other means of communication and it's been really nice and impactful then the other thing is they can totally be impactful with their votes and what type of government they choose next like contacting their MPs and telling them that there are refugees in Indonesia that we are concerned that we want them to be resettled in Australia or somewhere else because Australian policies the impact is not just on Indonesia it's like other countries are also like doing same sort of things like excluding some nationalities from getting resettled even and the last thing the Australians can do is to help us on the ground here to support us here to support our projects to donate to our projects because what we do is from within the community and the help directly goes to refugees. We can do all these projects very efficiently, very cheaply, and it's just very impactful and you can see the results immediately. So I think that's, that would be a great help. Yeah. Do you receive um, a lot of support and do you work a lot with the local community, Indonesian community here? Not a lot, but yes, there are some amazing Indonesians that are trying to help us in our projects, but it's not a lot. Firstly, because Indonesia is very populated, there's lots of poor people in this country as well. So uh, obviously the first priority is your own people, right? And um, there is also a general fear about the issue of refugees and us being Middle Easterns, you know, and people are not really willing to, you know, to be involved in it that much. 
but in some areas in some areas of Jakarta there there has been like better integration because of maybe same religion that people had or same language or they could speak Arabic in some areas or the refugees had better Indonesian so they could you know integrate more and in those areas you see locals and refugees are living more peacefully you know next to each other and but in most areas you don't see that so it's not a lot is there anything else that you'd like to add to our listeners <laughs> yes i want to tell to all the australians that refugees that are staying in indonesia now that are being stuck as a result of all those policies none of us are sitting here waiting to get on boats anymore like we don't want to do that you who wants to do that as an option like if land is safe you do not want to get on a boat if only you know how horrible that experience is and none of us chose to be refugees none of us just chose to come here to indonesia and fancying going to australia it's just not a thing that comes to our mind not at all so i just want people to know that it just happens to you and when it happens you seek for safety and you don't have a long time to think about options so it just happens. It can happen to anyone. Like if yeah. earthquake comes suddenly, what would you do? You reach for safety. And you might choose the wrong option by going to the wrong place. And this is exactly what happened to us. And that's why we're stuck here. So I would love for people to know that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I am sailing. I am sailing on the We sail for human rights, indigenous sovereignty and climate justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org. Get on board. A 3CR supporter. So that was an interview with Moshgan and having met Moshgan, um, I really, really advise everyone to have a look at the work that they're doing um, to support RAIC in whatever way you can. Um, you can go on their website, RAICindonesia.org. Um, they have Twitter, they have Facebook, um, and they do incredible, incredible stuff over there. Um, and this next song, the last song we'll be playing, is by Aziza Brahim um, from Western Sahara. She's um, a woman who grew up in a refugee camp now lives in France. The song is called Lagi, which means refugee, and it talks about um, a lot of refugee struggles around the world. So have a listen.
2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. 